Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Suarez delivers. Swing and a drive. Left field. It's deep. It's going. Yes. And it is gone. Yes. yes. It is Bedlam at the bank as Bryce Harper has put the Phillies on top. Just there you just heard it, Scott Fransky, Bedlam at the bank, and hopefully this year, coming off of that World Series run, hopefully we're getting more Bedlam at the bank. Maybe we won't be 23rd in attendance this year in the regular season. I kid, I kid, I won't get too far into that, but... We're bringing on Bob Wankel, the absolute best follow on Philly's Twitter, at Bob Wankel CB. Check out his stuff over on Crossing Broad. Check out the pod, the crossed up, a Phillies podcast with Anthony Sanfilippo. Bob, how you doing, man? What's up, man? Good to talk to you. Getting ready to get started here. Yeah, we're kicking it into high gear, and we just played the radio call from Fransky. Obviously, it's good to it's good to kind of relive that because the only thing I've been thinking about this week, Phillies wise, is negative. Obviously, connected to Reese Hoskins. So nice to hear uh, Fransky's voice. Nice to hear that Reese Hoskins or that that Bryce Harper home run, I should say. But obviously, we all know where we're going to have to start here. We would love to start out with how, how we usually do. I think I had you on last year around the same time to preview the season. We'd love to start out all optimistic, talking about everything. You know, everything's rosy and everything's coming up great for the Phillies. But obviously, Reese Hoskins goes down, torn ACL, out for the year. Um, pretty, And you know, I, I, through thick and through thin, Bob Wankel, <laughs> I've been Mr. Reese Hoskins in, in this city. I've been defending Reese Hoskins for ever since I've started talking to you back when I was talking to you on Everything's Fine with Kyle Pagan. And this has really, really gutted me and really zapped a lot of kind of my excitement that I had going into this next week. Should I feel that way? Or how, can you get me back into the swing of things, Bob? Well, I have to tell you, because you know that I've been critical of Reese Hoskins <laughs> yeah. at times, and I know how much you love the guy. But I will say, I mean, I, I was watching the game, and I saw him go down, and I immediately said, oh, no. And, I mean, first and foremost, just to, to get this out of the way, I mean, great guy going into a contract year. Mm-hmm. I feel I feel horrible for him on a personal level. I mean, and I know that as a, as a journalist or as a reporter, you're supposed to put that stuff aside. But, I mean, there's just no way that you could watch that unfold and not just have your, your heart broken for the guy. Um, in, in terms of what it means for the Phillies, I think there's a lot of different ways that you have to work through it. I mean, we all know about the defense, so it's not like they're, they're going to miss anything in, in that regard. But even if you don't love Reese Hoskins, even if you don't value him the way that others do, like yourself, you know, I, I look at it and I say this is a guy that is – uh, tremendously important in the clubhouse from an intangible standpoint. Um, he is a guy that, that's going to hit 30, 35 home runs for you from the right side. They need that right-handed power in this lineup. Uh, the production is there. I mean, you look at the numbers, the advanced numbers, 125 OPS. He's good for about an 840, OPS most seasons. I just don't know how you look at this injury. And I know a lot of people have worked themselves into a – Derek Hall and, you know, maybe Alec Bone plays a little first, or maybe they go out and get a stopgap guy and see where things are for the first couple months, which I think they might do. But 
I just don't know how you can say with with a straight face that oh, it's no big deal. Like they're not going to miss a beat. I, I think it's a huge injury, and I think it's uh, you know I don't want to use the word devastating. I do think that they can overcome it. There's enough there, but it's a it's a brutal blow. It's a brutal blow. And I'm I'm right there with you. And the funny thing about Reese, and you know, obviously fielding metrics are incredibly flawed, and they're not you know the best way to evaluate things. People love to harp on Reese Hoskins. Reese Hoskins graded out positively as a first baseman in terms of defensive runs saved last year. Not that I'm going to sit here and tell you he's a great fielder, but I don't think who you're going to replace him with is going to be some market improvement anyway, like a, a Derek Hall or you know trading for CJ Crone or whoever you're going to bring in. I, I don't think they're going to come in and you know blow you away with the with the glove. So I I, I think this is an absolute you know catastrophe for for the Phillies and I think they might be fine I do like like you I think that they can kind of recover and I I think it might be a brutal start to the season is kind of what I'm looking at and you know so this kind of shifts over to what the what the correct you know route for the Phillies to go should they bring someone in should you kind of put your trust in Derek Hall and then platoon the lefty where you throw Boehm at first base with lefties and Sosa at third there's a lot of options I probably believe a little bit more in Derek Hall than consensus but I also probably believe less in Alec Bohm than consensus, as you know. Um, so I kind of swing both ways here. Uh, what do you think the correct route here to go is for the Phillies? Well, I think in an ideal world, you bring in somebody from the outside that can hit major league pitching from the left side. Yeah. I, I think that that's the most obvious way to go. And there are a lot of different considerations to this. I think that it's a, a little bit of a, uh, a mistake to assume that you can just take Alec Bohm, slide him across the infield, mm-hmm. and that there's not going to be any any ramifications to that. First of all, playing first base at the major league level is, is harder than people seem to think it is. And I really also think that this is a guy that, though he is not an above-average third baseman by any stretch of the imagination, he made strides, significant strides there last season. And he really seems to be in a good spot right now. So whether or not you truly believe in what Alec Bohm can become, can he make good on his you know top three pick status, I don't know. I don't know about any of that. But I would be very reluctant to just slide him across the infield less than a week before the regular season starts and expect that to not have any impact on him or his development. And, I, you know, listen, I know that defense is an offense. We tend to try to parse these things out and separate them. But I would be a little bit worried about what that might do to him. So and not only do I have concerns about his ability to play first base, but I also have concerns about his ability in terms of development to stay on track. So I really hate that idea. Um, I, I, I'm fine with Derek Hall at first base uh, against right-handed pitching. I, I think that he will be productive. I have huge concerns about his ability to handle left-handed pitching. I don't think I'm alone in that regard. Hmm. And, uh, you know, I mean, so I think that they just have no real obvious solution here. And I don't really see how they don't bring in somebody from the outside to try to help hold this thing together. Who are some names that Phillies fans should be kind of paying attention to, whether it be short-term stopgap guys who they could bring in to start the year or maybe even potentially down the line, maybe at the deadline, you know, uh, some names that I've thought about or talked about with friends is, uh, you know, obviously Christian Walker from the area, from Arizona. That's probably more of a deadline thing, and Arizona probably wants to hold on to him, so I don't know if that's realistic. C.J. Crone from Colorado, a bit of a course Field merchant, I'd say, um, but <laughs> m- maybe possible for, you know, him to at least be a, a solid option. Maybe you wouldn't have to give up too much for him. I- I've heard other names thrown out there. Uh, is there anyone? Uh, Luke Voigt is a name I've heard. Keston- yeah, Luke Voigt was the one. You know, he's a warm body, yeah. um, that, so that's a, a potential option. I saw 
uh, I believe it was Matt Gelb actually speculated about it uh, yesterday, saying if you want to get really creative and make a little bit more of a commitment, could the Yankees potentially be willing to, to part with someone like Glaber Torres or a Josh Donaldson? Mm. Uh, but that would be pretty aggressive, I think, at this point, um, in, in not, not even in the regular season, at this point in spring training. I think the Phillies would probably be wise and, and probably a little bit more comfortable with letting this thing play out for a little bit. There's probably also a scenario where uh, – you know, Scott Kingery goes and, and, you know, let's see what happens with him in AAA. I do not think that he is a, an opening day roster guy. I know that he's, he's played very well this spring, and, and some people are kind of wondering if maybe he can push his way onto the roster in light of what's happened to Reese Hoskins. I don't see that. I think that they want to try to get him more consistent at bats, and I also think that they, they need to see more and really see if he can sustain behind, you know, beyond a three, four week uh, stretch here. So, if he continues to produce, though, uh, maybe there's a situation where he comes up and then maybe you do think about moving Alec Boehm around in the infield. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like, that's the thing. When you look at this and people say, well, they can replace him defensively and they can probably piece together 25 home runs in aggregate, I say, okay, yeah, like, I can go for that. And certainly they'll be willing and, and you know, have the means to go out on the on the market and add. But, man, like, these are very, very, uh, what I believe are very unpalatable solutions to this problem right now. The news, some news that just dropped, I don't know how recently, probably in the last half hour or so, is that Aaron Nola and the Phillies have broken off contract extension talks. And I, like a lot of Phillies fans that have a brain, um, love Aaron Nola. And very, <laughs> I, I, I very much want to extend him as soon as possible. Um, he's the guy, even over Zach Wheeler, that I think long-term is the safer option. So I... Definitely am not happy hearing this news. Do you think this is something where Phillies fans should be concerned about this? Or do you think that this is something that's just they can't come to an agreement for now and you'd still expect Dombrowski to, to lock him down? He does seem like a Dombrowski pitcher. Dombrowski loves high strikeout guys. Do you think Aaron Nola is here for the long term? Yeah, there's a few things with this. I mean, both the Phillies and uh, Aaron Nola's agent both came out here in the last half hour and issued statements saying, hey, listen, we've had productive conversations. We're just not there. Uh, you know, we're, we're both willing to revisit this at the end of the year. And I think that that actually bodes well, um, that there's an open line of communication. It doesn't seem like, at least publicly, there's a ton of animosity behind these negotiations at this point. So I think that if you're a Phillies fan saying right now, oh, he's gone, there's no shot they're going to bring him back, uh, after they failed to get the stumpy before opening day, I, I wouldn't go that far. Um, do I think it's a foregone conclusion that eventually they'll hammer out a deal? I, I don't. And I think, um, you know, listen, you said it, it, as a Phillies fan that has a brain, you love Aaron Nola. And, and there's a lot of reasons to love Aaron Nola. I mean, he's been a very productive pitcher here. You know, we know all the arguments both for and against Aaron Nola, but all you have to do is just go back and look at the fact that he's a flat-out horse. I mean, you go back to 2018, more innings, more starts than any other starting pitcher in baseball in that time frame. So, I mean, that's something you can really lean on. And you know that you're going to have what looks like it's going to be a staff that undergoes some transition over the next few years, probably going to get younger here. And, you know, that's a guy that you really feel good about as a veteran leader that you can sort of anchor in as a, you know, whether you want to call him a 1, 1B, 2, whatever. I mean, you still look at what the, the market is going to be for free agent starting pitchers this upcoming season. And he's at the top of the list. Uh, with he's on, you know, Shohei Otani's a totally different story, but you know, you look at Aaron Nola, he's probably the guy. So it's hard to really comment on, you know, did the Phillies mess this up or or what? Because you don't know exactly what he's looking for. Is he looking for eight nine years north of three hundred million dollars? You know, I don't know if he's looking for a seventh year, and he's he's looking to push, uh, you know. 
into the low 30s per year. Is he worth that at this point? Like, you could make that argument, right? So it's pretty complicated. I think the Phillies are probably wondering a little bit internally, is he the pitcher that we saw in 2022, you know, or is he the pitcher that struggled a little bit, at least to his own expectations and the fan expectations that we saw in 2021? And maybe the Phillies are just like, hey, let's let's see if you can do it again. Like, let's just make sure before we really go all in on you. And and I don't know. It's 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 somewhat discouraging that they were not able to get this done. But I don't think it's the the end of the road here either. It's not great because the next three questions I have written down for you are all negative. It's like all it's a lot of negative questions <laughs> coming into the season here. But my guy, and you know, I talked about Reese being my guy, but my ultimate guy, as you know, is Ranger Suarez. And obviously, there's some news with him not being ready and being shut down a little bit. So, how concerned should Phillies fans be about Ranger and about the starting the starting rotation depth in general? You have to take the Phillies' word at, at face value, at least to an extent, and they don't seem overly concerned, and, and the tests would indicate that there's nothing to be overly alarmed about. But anytime you hear phrases like sent home, forearm tightness, a uh, little soreness in the elbow, I mean, these are things that give you pause. And as, as much as the Phillies will probably have to scramble to replace Reese Hoskins, I mean, the the impact of potentially losing Ranger Suarez for – for any amount of time could be potentially devastating. This team came to spring training with quite a bit of starting pitching depth and, and that depth through injury has been essentially wiped out here in just a matter of four or five weeks. So, um, you know, he's going to be behind. Uh, will he be able to get back into the rotation two, three weeks into the you know regular season? I think he's trending towards that right now, but the Phillies might be a little bit cautious, might be a little bit conservative and, maybe even only use him two, three innings at a time when he does get back. I, you know, we'll, we'll have to kind of wait and see how this thing goes. But I think, yeah, uh, I mean, you look at where they want to go and how how lofty the expectations are and how good this division is going to be. Like, yeah, losing Ranger Suarez for four or five starts through the rotation, it has a significant impact. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Ranger is something that I, that might even be a worse loss than Reese if they were to lose Ranger it, it for a long be. time. I mean, because just look at you know Matt Strom and Michael Plassmeyer and like these you know no offense to these guys but I mean Matt Strom's supposed to be a, a bulk guy in your bullpen. Michael Plassmeyer is not a guy that you really want taking the ball every fifth day when you have a team that has championship aspirations. So it it, it does get a little bit tricky, and I do think it's a, a cause for a little bit of anxiety. And then another cause for anxiety, <laughs> just man, it's very <laughs> negative. But Andrew Painter. <laughs> Uh, best prospect in baseball in terms of from the pitching perspective gets shut down obviously with, with uh they're being a little cagey about the about the information with Andrew Painter. Am I crazy outside looking in? Now I, I want to disclose to you, Bob Wankel, that I am not a doctor. Uh, I, I I did not go to school for I do not have a doctorate. But it does feel like why are we not just shutting Painter down and getting him Tommy John? Because it feels like that's going to be inevitable, and it feels like he's going to pitch for a month or whatever when he comes back, and they're going to shut him down, and we're going to lose all this time like we did with Sir Anthony, where we messed around, and then he got Tommy John way later. Is that going to happen again with Painter, or my concerns unfounded? Well, you know, first of all, I take a little bit of responsibility for everything that's happened here this week. I think I tweeted out on Tuesday night during the WBC final that the Phillies brand couldn't be any hotter oh. entering the regular season. And here we are, and you're just negative, negative, negative. But listen, <laughs> I mean, I understand why you feel the way that you do. I'm sure that you, you've seen the reports, that I think it was suggested, that of the 19 pitchers 
uh, in the last number mm-hmm. of years, 17 of them that had this injury were able to avoid Tommy John. Mm-hmm. That is, I think, a comforting metric. Uh, because, yeah, I, I think that there is that feeling that what are we doing? Like, let's just nip this in the bud, wipe the year off. He'll be 20 when he gets the ball next year, and let's roll. Uh, but I think if you can avoid having surgery, you should probably attempt to avoid having surgery. And there's just not enough data here to suggest that he's going to really run into long-term issues with this. And so if you're the Phillies, I think you have to take all the steps necessary here to at least give this thing a shot to heal, get him on a throwing program, and see how it progresses. My guess is that when he begins his throwing program, which I think is currently scheduled to to begin late next week, maybe in about 10 days from Mm -hmm. now, if there is discomfort, if there is recurring issues and they can't get him to really ramp up, I think at that point they would probably be a little bit more proactive. Like, I can't see them going into another shutdown period with him. Like, if this doesn't have a linear progression from here on out, I don't know at that point how you can then say, let's take a wait-and-see approach. You know it's not responding to rest right off the bat. Again, I, too, am not a doctor. I am not a surgeon. But I do think that there needs to be a little bit of proactiveness with this to make sure that 2024 – is not threatened in any way, shape, or form. But again, this is a guy that I think can, you know, you look at the history of what this injury is, there's reasonable belief that he can get back, and you look at the talent, I am all in, big believer in it. Uh, I think that he can be an important part of this rotation this season and try to get this team to where they want to go. And then this one, it's not quite as negative. I guess there's like a negative spin on it, but there's a hopeful positive spin on it. I'm going to be negative on it because I think Nick Castellanos is a, is a, one of, you know, I think he's a waste of space, but, uh, five years, 80 million. Hopefully he, hopefully he comes around or was it a hundred million, five years, a hundred million. Yeah. Um, hopefully he comes around and proves me wrong. I hate his approach at the plate more than I've ever hated a player's approach at the plate. Um, but he's got a lot of metrics that tell you he should bounce back. We haven't really seen it in spring training. A lot of people on Twitter are a lot more confident than I am in the Nick Castellanos bounce back. A lot of fantasy baseball people I know are a lot more confident than I am in the Nick Castellanos bounce back. Um, where are you at with Castellanos? Well, let me give you this, uh, just in a little anecdotal thing. You know, uh, my guy at Crossing Broad, Anthony Sanfilippo, who I do the podcast with, actually had a chance to, to go down there, and he talked to Nick one-on-one for an extended period of time. And his takeaway was that really that this is a guy that, that seems to um, – you know, approach this knowing that last year was substandard. He was disgusted with the way things played out. Uh, I think that he was going through some things in the transition coming into Philadelphia, which, you know, excuse or not, is, is probably real. Uh, there seemed to be some ownership to this and, and a willingness to make some adjustments, both probably from a, a preparation standpoint and then a mechanical standpoint. So those are all the things that you want to hear a player say. And if that comes across in a genuine fashion, I think you should feel pretty good about that. I try not to put too much stock in veteran players and their performance in spring training. I would agree with you that it has not been overly impressive to this point. Uh, there are certain things that I see that I don't love. Um, but you know the deal here. You know, is he more comfortable now? Maybe there's a track record, you know, that you have to rely on a little bit here. I don't think that he's going to turn into one of the, you know, 10 best hitters in the National League all of a sudden, but do I think he's going to be as dreadful as he was, especially the second half of last season? Hard for me to believe that. So, you know, I don't. I think you 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 don't get this unbelievable resurgence, but I don't think that you get the same thing that you got a year ago, and he probably falls somewhere in between. But it's interesting. You know, you would think Bryce Harper comes back. They have Trey Turner. There's just so many different options in this lineup, and so many threats that. Yeah, we know about the contract and we know about the expectations, but he could kind of skip by a little bit and and not worry about the pressure. Well, with Reese Hoskins going out now, there's two different things. Number one, 
they need the production from the right-hand side, and they need some pop. They need some power. He can't be a guy that's just flaring singles out to right field hitting 230. But beyond that, think about how much of a – I think someone tweeted, and you responded to it this week, called Reese Hoskins like a, a, a hot-button guy or like a lightning rod yeah. player, which I, I know you think is ridiculous. He was the guy that when things went wrong, people said, well, what's up with Reese? You know, yeah. it's another cold streak. It's another three for 30. It's another error. And he took a lot of criticism from this fan base. Well, Reese Hoskins isn't here anymore. Yep. So where do you think that pressure and where do you think that criticism is going to fly if, if Nick Castellanos doesn't get off to a good start? I mean, it's going to get on him and it's going to get on him fast. And his ability to kind of get off to a fast start, I think it's huge. Uh, because there is pressure. Whether he feels it or not, it, it's it's going to come from this fan base if things aren't going well. That Reese Hadel, I'm sure I'm sure it'll flock down to Aaron Nola like it like it seems to all the time if he has one bad start. But yeah, Castellanos <laughs> is Castellanos is definitely gonna be the guy who who people are have their eyes on there. Uh it's definitely well, going to well, get be... ready for Aaron Nola. Get ready for the Aaron Nola discourse now after these contract negotiations broke down. Oh. I mean, this thing's going to get pumped way up. So it's going to be like the normal Nola conversations on steroids this season. I know. Is he an ace? Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> <laughs> in terms of Bryson Stott, Alec Boehm, and Brandon Marsh, the, the three young guys in the lineup, which one do you think has the best chance to, to kind of make that leap to, to being a really, really good starter? That's a, that's a good question. Um, listen, uh, you talk about spring training performance. Bryson Stott has not been overly impressive, but I, I'm almost comforted by the fact that I, I feel like it just doesn't matter with him. Uh, I think he's like a spot and situation guy, rise to the moment guy, and maybe his statistics never really get to where where you want them to be, but I think that you just kind of appreciate him for like the approach and, and coming up with big hits in the right spots and just kind of being in the middle of everything. I just think that that's what he is. Um, and that's not to short his ability. That's not to slight his, his potential as an offensive player. I think he'll play a good defensive second base. I, I kind of just don't know quite yet what his ceiling is offensively. I, I personally believe, and I, I know that you don't, uh, I think of those three players, when you look at the stat lines at the end of the season, Alec Bone's going to have the best numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do believe that. And, and that's nothing against Brandon Marsh, but like, I know there's this idea that the Phillies fixed his swing uh, you know, with Kevin Long when he got here and made big strides, but I need to see him hit lefties on a consistent basis yeah. before I go all in on, on Brandon Marsh. Uh, I like what I see. I think he's certainly a, a very valuable player, but uh, there's a big question mark in his game from an offensive standpoint right now. Yeah, lefties are definitely a concern without Reese and obviously with Hall and Marsh. But that is Bob Wankel. We'll have him on throughout the throughout the baseball season. Obviously, he's our favorite Phillies guy. Follow him at Bob Wankel CB over at Crossing Broad. Bob, on the way out, how many wins? How many wins are we getting? I got ninety right on the nose. I got ninety one. We're we're right on the same wavelength. Uh, smart minds think alike. Thanks so much for coming on, Bob. Put it on the board. <laughs> There he is, Bob Wankel. Follow him at Bob Wankel CB and check out his stuff on Crossing Broad. That's going to do it for the Tough Cover Radio Show. We didn't get to we didn't get to the AL preview. We'll tweet it out. We'll make sure you guys get the the over unders and the winners. By the way, Donkey Brains of the Week goes to anyone who sent out a tweet about the Reese Hoskins injury that says, "I know people might not like him," or "I know I haven't been the most positive about Reese Hoskins." <laughs>
unbelievable. The guy's like the best guy on the planet. He hits 30 home runs a season. He graded out positively last year defensively when all you idiots wanted him, you know, strung up in town square for one error every week. Just a bit outside. <laughs> I, I just, uh, the Reese Hoskins hate and people saying, oh, I have to, I have to include, uh, I know he's a hot button topic, but I feel bad for uh, a guy who's in a contract. You don't have to say that. You can just say you feel bad. Well, it drives me nuts. And Bob Wankel brought it up there. I'm happy he brought it up. So that is your Donkey Brains of the week. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.